I am so thankful that permanence aren't. A good story takes us on a journey. It reminds us of where we've been and shows us where we could go. A good story makes us feel and inspires us to act. Welcome to the Good Story Podcast, where everyday stories that make you laugh, cry, or feel slightly uncomfortable will leave you inspired as Kirsten King tells true stories and teaches truth. I grew up in a family with my two sisters and one brother. I was the middle of the three girls, and my brother was the youngest of us all. (laughs) That sounds like a logic problem. If the Bromans had four children and the oldest was not a boy, I don't mean to sound so cryptic. We had four kids in our family, three girls, then a boy. Mari, Kirsten, Betsy, and then Gus. I remember as a small child, we'd all have to take baths on Saturday nights. And once we were done, the girls in their pajamas would go downstairs and wait in line for our turn outside of my parents' bathroom. Once in there, my mom would set our hair in pink spongy rollers as we stood looking at the mirror. After that, we'd sit down, she would trim our nails and paint them a very pale pastel pink. When we were finished, we'd all go up to our beds and wait for our dad to come and pray with us and tuck us in. I am sure on many a Saturday night, there were times my mom wished there weren't quite so many girls or that there was an easier way to get the curls she desired onto our heads. This system was in place for as long as I can remember it. And then at some point, my mom decided that we would all get short pixie haircuts. My older sister Mari did it first, and it's my recollection that she wanted to. And then, because it was easy and looked so good on her, soon after, we all went to the same hairdresser, and we all had to follow suit. I'm not entirely sure how old I was when this happened. I do know that I had long hair in fifth grade, and by seventh grade, it was super short. I also know it wasn't much longer by the time my senior pictures rolled around either. You might hear this and think it's strange that we didn't choose our hairstyles. I didn't think it was odd at the time, but I am totally rethinking that now. Mari looks amazing in short hair. She still does. She has a beautiful face with elegant angles that are highlighted with her short cut. I, on the other hand, begged to differ about how I looked with short hair. With my braces, my glasses, and my nose. (laughs) I have pictures to prove that I wasn't wrong. In fact, I actually think I'm going to post my eighth grade school picture on Instagram this week because honestly, it just needs to be done. I was unable to convince Juliet, our eight-year-old granddaughter, that it was actually me the other day. She still says, Nana, it isn't you, but who is it really? (laughs) In summary, in case you've forgotten where we've been and you need a refresher before I keep going in my story, because I've been kind of wandering a bit. Three girls, the sisters growing up together, hair and spongy pink rollers on Saturday nights. Now these three girls have transitioned to really short hairstyles by choice for at least one and not by choice for at least another one. (laughs) Now, it'd be one thing if my mom had decided that she just wanted our hair short, but nope. She was afraid that it would look limp and just kind of hang there. Not real stylish. She wanted to make sure we had enough body in our hair to be able to style it somehow. 
like maybe with a little curling iron, put curls all over our head and then lightly comb it out to a point where it just looks not good. Here it would be helpful for you to also know that while my sisters and I look quite a bit alike, our hair texture is actually quite a bit different. My sisters have very fine, straight hair. Mine is more coarse and already has some natural bend to it. It's not curly. It's also not straight. I can put gel in it and get it to look real curly. If I want to wear a straight, I have to use another product and then flat iron it out. It's not a big deal, really, but trust me, I need to paint this picture here. And just so you know, I kind of bored myself right there, too. <laughs> Back to the story. So, daughters with short hair now whose mom thinks they could use a little more body. Enter, stage left, Grandma Broman. We didn't grow up near our grandparents. My grandpas died when I was two, and my grandmas both lived out of state. My mom's mom lived in Wisconsin near her two sons, and my dad's mom lived in California near her daughter. I usually really looked forward to my Grandma Broman's visits, with one exception, when it was, wait for it, permanent time. I don't know whose idea this was, if it was my mom's or my grandma's, but one of them decided it would be a good idea for my grandma, who is super capable and able to do this, to give us home permanence in our short hair, to give them, again, a little more body. Now, if you're listening and you're not exactly sure what I'm talking about when I say perm, let me do a super quick wiki tutorial for you. A permanent wave, commonly called a perm or permanent, is a hairstyle consisting of waves or curls set into the hair. The curls may last a number of months, hence the name. Perms may be applied using thermal or chemical means. Ours were always chemical. Chemicals are applied to the hair, which I might add have as a very, very distinct smell. Then the hair is wrapped around very thin rods to produce these waves and curls. That's what a permanent is. Someone bought them, I'm not sure who, but I can still picture the pink box they came in. And when I Google imaged them, I honestly could even imagine the smell. The brand name was Lilt. It sounds so innocent. <laughs> the process itself was tedious. I texted my two sisters in preparation for this podcast to ask how they felt about getting these permanents from my grandma. Mari, who continues to wear her hair short and looks beautiful, said, I don't know. Betsy, whose hair is long and silken and is equally beautiful, said she loved it. I thanked them for their feedback and felt just a little bit worse about sharing with you how much I hated it. I didn't mind spending time with my grandma, but the end result just wasn't worth it. You'd sit still for so long, smell these chemicals, then the pulling and tugging of my hair, and then the waiting and rinsing and rinsing and rinsing and waiting, and then the final product emerged. Short, wanky, curly hair with absolutely no way of styling it to make it look normal. We were told not to wash our hair after our permanent for a while, but I tried. I tried to get it out. Then I would pull it, and I would try to dry it flat. And flat it would stay until something brushed against my head, like my coat or backpack or the air. And then my hair would fill with static, and no amount of coaxing would keep this now full-bodied hair down. 
Perhaps things wouldn't have seemed so dire or dismal if I wasn't in junior high at this time, but I was. And, well, the picture is worth a thousand words. So I rest my case. And this process continued. Grandma gives a perm. Girl hates hair. Hair just starts to get manageable. Grandma visits, gives another perm. And so it went. I don't know how many I got. I lost count. It was happening often enough that I started to think I could have done it myself if I wanted to, but I didn't. I didn't want to give myself one anyway. But the summer after my junior year in high school, when my friend who was on a summer-long mission trip with me decided she wanted to try a perm, I told her, I can give you one, no problem. We had a full day off, which was unusual. We had been traveling around the eastern United States with other high school students, led by a married couple. We'd go to various camps and churches, helping out at a different place almost every week. Sometimes we'd be doing dishes, sometimes we'd do a cleaning. At this point, we were in Brooklyn, New York, for two weeks in a row, doing vacation Bible schools in local parks for the kids who would show up. Because of that, we had a full day off in between our weeks because we didn't need to travel. So we needed to fill our time somehow. My friend wanted a permanent. So we went to a drugstore down the street, bought a box off of the shelf, then went to the church basement where I could work my magic, and magic it was. I separated the curling rods by color as I was instructed. I read the instructions carefully. I separated her hair. I took the rod, put solution on her hair, wrapped her hair in the rod, fastened it down tight, and went on to the next. I worked over her head so systematically. When it was all wrapped, I took the extra solution, just like the instructions said, and covered each curl one more time. We then wrapped her head in plastic and waited, not her whole head, her hair. We wrapped her hair in plastic and waited. When the timer rang, we took off the plastic. Then I started unwrapping her hair, one rod at a time. As each curl unfurled from the rod and gracefully landed onto her shoulders, I breathed a little sigh of relief, and she was thrilled. I have to admit, while the odor had taken me to a place unwanted earlier, the chemical aroma now seemed to me to be the sweet smell of success. When the summer was over, I said goodbye to the couple I had come to know and love who had led us, and I said goodbye to my curly-haired friend who had trusted me and was still reaping the rewards of my skill. I came home and told my parents all about my friends and the camps we worked at and the lessons we taught. I told my sisters about the perm I had given and the boys I had met. As summer turned to fall, my sister Mari decided she was due for a perm. <gasps> no problem. I know just the guy. I am the guy. I volunteered my skills. She bought the perm, and we met at my parents' house in the upstairs bathroom where we already knew just how to set the scene for this beauty treatment that was about to go down. I separated the rods by color, just as the direction said. I lined up the bottles I separated my sister's hair into sections, and then I started to roll her hair. But here is where we hit a little bump in the beauty road. The perm I had given in the summer 
and given successfully, I might add, said to put the solution on the hair while you roll it onto the rods. Then, when the hair is all done, put any extra solution onto the hair before you wrap it in plastic. This perm, this is perm that my sister had chosen, or maybe I bought it. I actually don't really remember, but does it matter? <laughs> this perm appeared to be subpar because the directions were wrong. Thankfully for my sister, I was fresh off my one-and-done perm experience, so I could spot the error right away. I started telling her, oh, they missed the step where you put the solution on the hair while you roll it. These instructions say only to put it on afterwards. That's not right. That's dumb. And then I said, they should have people proofing these things. I paused for a little bit. I thought it through. I thought, this isn't even going to be effective. And my past experience told me I'd done it correctly before, so I did exactly what you should do in a moment such as that. Ignore the instructions and go with your gut. There could be nothing wrong with that plan. And so that's what I did. I wrapped and solutioned my sister's hair piece by piece by piece by piece. Now, because I'd only done this once before and was no professional, it took me quite a while. The solution in the rod sat on my sister's head for quite a long time. My grandma probably would have done it faster. When I finally finished, I emptied the rest of the solution, which wasn't even much by then, onto the rods, and I wrapped her hair in plastic. We set the timer and we waited. The fun wait. The I can't wait. Wait. Like the I can't wait for the concert to start. Wait. The I can't wait to board the plane for my vacation. Wait. The Enneagram 7 wait, where the wait can be even more exciting than the event itself. And in this case, that was absolutely true. The bell rang. The plastic came off. And as I unfurled the first curl, instead of seeing it tumble off the rod and lay gently on my sister's head, it merely tumbled off. It tumbled off the rod, and while some stayed on my sister's head, other, I shouldn't laugh, while some hair stayed on my sister's head, others stayed in my hand, and the rest was stuck on the rod. This is horrible. Ah. Oh. I frantically took off all the other rods off of her head. My sister was so mad, and rightly so. Oh, my goodness. It took months to grow back after she had a remedy cut to try to fix the damage I'd done. We both learned a valuable lesson that day. She learned not to trust me, and I learned not to trust me, too. This idea of ignore the instructions and go with your gut... Yeah, no. You might be thinking, oh, I know how this is going to line up. It's like the Bible is an instruction book. Here's what I'm going to say. The Bible is not like a self-help instruction book. The Bible is much richer, much deeper than that. The Bible is the story of God. It's his revelation of himself to us. We see what God is like as we read through the Old Testament. We see what God is like as we read through the New Testament. We see various genres of book in this book of the Bible. We see letters. We see history. We see prophetic writings. We see poetry. And yes, there are some instructions as well. 
We read in Psalm 119 over and over and over again about the psalmist David's attitude and ideas toward the word of God. We would do well to read this chapter and to put into practice the things that we learn from it. We would do well to not ignore these instructions and go with our gut. We would do well to pause and think on these instructions. In fact, I just read through this psalm last week. I read it through every year on my birthday. And this year, what I did is I wrote down the verbs that we're supposed to be paying attention to when we come. What should our attitude be when we are looking at the word of God, when we come to his word? Here are some of them. We're to walk according to the law. Seek them. Keep them. Follow them. Obey the word. Consider it. Praise it. Learn from it. Meditate on it. Rejoice in the word. Delight in it. Hold fast to it. Run according to it. Follow it. Understand it. Trust in this word. Hope in this word. Walk in freedom as you follow this word. And it goes on and on and on. I want to read just a couple verses as we close up our time together. I'm going to read a couple of verses about how we should respond when we read the instructions in God's word. And it it doesn't quite seem to be what we think it should say. Do we ignore it and trust our gut? No. Listen, Psalm 119, starting at verse 1. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do no wrong, but follow his ways. You've laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. And I skip a couple verses here. Actually, I'm not going to. I'm going to keep reading. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Don't let me stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Be good to your servant while I live, that I may obey your word. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. And here I'll pause. Do you hear this love that the psalmist has for the word of God? And here's what's fascinating. While he's rejoicing about the love he has for the word of God, he is being inspired by God to be writing the word of God as he does so. That blows my mind. David is just rejoicing, being grateful for all the things that he could see in God's word. And while he's writing these down, he is writing down for us the law that we can rejoice in, the instructions we can follow. This world is difficult to live in sometimes. You can't just go around trusting your gut. It's really important for us 
to look at the word of God, to allow it to line up our thinking, to allow it to line up our doing, to make sure that the things we think on, the attitudes we adopt, the ways that we act, the ways that we speak line up with what God's word says is true. This is our plumb line. God's word is the truth. And as we walk according to his word, what did the psalmist say? Blessed are those whose ways are blameless. They're the ones who are walking according to the law of the Lord. Lord, it is our desire to delight in your decrees. Help us to not neglect your word. Help us not to read your word, to read your instructions and think, yeah, I don't think that sounds exactly right. I'm going to go with my gut. Lord, help us to bring all these things under your feet. Help us to come to you and allow you to direct our paths. Help us not to trust in what we think we know, to rely on what we think we know, but to acknowledge you every step of the way, knowing that you will make our paths straight. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.